All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. Last episode, we got to hear from Dave Sanderson and spoke about his resilience and mindset along with his new book. It was a great discussion, and we look forward to talking again on another episode. Thank you for being on, and keep us posted on your ventures in the future. Now, for anyone who has gone through a traumatic experience or witnessed one or had a sudden change in their life due to an incident can attest, it is hard to figure a way through it. For a lot of people, when an event occurs, they will be told by everyone around them, we are here for you. That is great. It is supportive. The problem occurs when it is the mindset of the person going through it doesn't believe that others have ideas of how to actually help them. So they ignore the help. Most who say they are there really will be there. They just need to understand what they can do to help. Trauma does not come from being at war only. It comes from many forms. It can stem from mental and physical abuse as a child or as an adult. Or sexual assault any time in life. A car wreck. Being a victim of a violent crime. Just about anything can cause trauma in your life. You will hear people say, it is not how many times you get knocked down. It is how many times you pick yourself back up that matters. That is a true statement. However, if it takes you a while to get back up, you're not a failure. You're just really working at it. I've seen the strongest, toughest people I know fall to pieces after being engulfed in trauma for too long. Many of those have struggled with drug abuse or went full bore into drinking to try to hide their problem, put a band-aid on there, so to speak. Some of them never came back and are not with us anymore. On this episode, you will learn about a man who joined the Marines as a young kid, went on to become a Hollywood Marine in the infantry, and deployed in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He came home and just was not his old self. He witnessed a lot and lived on the adrenaline high for too long. He was now alone in his own thoughts. I met him a few years ago and have followed his journey since. He is a man of God and a great family man. So without further ado, let's get Mr. Andrew Jones on here. All right. Welcome to the show, Andrew Jones. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Very good, man. It's been a long time since we talked and mission continues. We were, I was your fellowship program specialist. You were rocking it in Arizona. And uh, we're just tell us a little about you and uh, how you got to where you are now from whatever point in your life through service until now. <laughs> right on. That's a lot to talk about. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all good, though. Um, no, man, it's just it's, it's been a, it's been a wild ride for sure over the years. You know, mission continues. What was a big part of it? Um, you know, it's kind of right, right smack dab in the middle of a lot that was going on. And, you know, prior to that, of course, you know, joined the Marine Corps. I was just a young buck, 17 years old. Uh, my mom's tears are on my enlistment papers, you know, um, and you know, I remember it was so funny, man, because when I joined, she was like, um, you know, if you join, if you join, um, I want you to join the army. But if, if you don't join the army and you join the Marine Corps, then don't join the infantry. And so I joined the Marine Corps infantry. You know? <laughs> and I was just like I, at 17, I saw it as, um, you know, I want to do something in the Marines that one is going to challenge me and two that I can't do in the in the regular world and at the time it sounded like that was a cool thing like that was going to go on this great adventure you know so back in 1999 and um I didn't really have that foresight of 
if I do something in the Marine Corps that I can't do in the regular world, then when I get back to the regular world, I'm not going to be able to do anything, you know? And, and, and I really struggled with that when, when I got out as do a lot of, a lot of us, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, so I, I joined 1999, you know, pre 9-11, had no idea what was going to happen in a couple of years. And I was doing my thing and, and we were training and, um, you know, 9-11 happened and it was all of a sudden like, okay, you know, things just got real. And, and it was like, all right, you know, it's game time. And, you know, one of the ways I always describe it as though there was a sense of excitement, you know, um, because I always looked at it like if, if, if like imagine being on a football team and if you just practiced and practiced and practiced day after day after day and you never got to play a game, you'd, it, it would kind of suck. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're training day after day after day and it's like, all right, now it's go time. Let's go. And, um, you know, so it, it was, uh, we didn't, I didn't end up going to Afghanistan. Our unit um, um, held off until Iraq, you know, so we went out to Iraq in 2003. We're a part of that initial shock and awe push up into Baghdad um, in that, that very first part. And um, it was crazy, man. You know, and, 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 you know, the way I always look at it, like, it was just, there was so much constant movement at that time that every time something would happen, a battle would happen, a skirmish would happen, uh, something tra traumatic would happen. It was just, you know, file it in the back of your head and, and move on. File it away, move on. You know, there was no time to process. There was no time to figure it out. It was just, what's the next mission? What's the, you know, wh what's the next patrol? Um, and it was just move, 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 go, go, go. And for me, as soon as I got home um, from that deployment, everything started unpacking in my head. It, it was like, my brain was like, hey, you're home now, you're stateside. All of this stuff that you have filed away, everything that you went through, uh, we're going to unpack it now and we're going to go through it all. And that started, it, it really started messing with my sleep. It started messing with my, my personality. It started messing just with my behavior. You know, um, that, you know when that PTSD and anxiety and, and depression and all those things start to hit, especially when you don't understand it, um, you just start thinking you're crazy. <laughs> and not and not really knowing what to do you know like back in you know oh three like it, it wasn't really much you know talk about ptsd you know it was there wasn't really much you know going on with it there wasn't really services it, it was just there wasn't really much about it and of course you don't want to talk to the other guys about it because you think you're crazy and and and, and that's what i went through for a while you know just years of Waking up screaming in the middle of the night, waking up in cold sweats, seeing dead bodies on the road when I drive. Like, I mean, just all these things were just were just being, you know, reliving in me. And, and I'm trying to figure out what is wrong with me. And, you know, that eventually led down a road of, of heavy alcohol use of, um, you know, seeking out adrenaline rushes and um, led to drug use and, and ultimately led to me trying to kill myself a couple of times. And, you know, it, it's you know, one of the, 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 the main times that I always love, you know, sharing because of the impact with it, man, is this was back in 2007. And I sat in the closet, I had a gun to my head, H&K USP 45 pistol, um, locked, ready to go, pointed out my head, and I'm sitting in the closet. And I'm just done, man, I'm, I'm tired of hurting my family. I'm tired of, of being a bad example to my kids. I'm tired of being a burden to people. I'm tired of just, just being who I was at, at the time. And my one and a half year old son um, was sitting in the room next to me. His room was next to mine, uh, where I was in that closet. And 
As soon as I went to put pressure on that trigger and pull back on it, I heard him scream, the loudest scream that I've ever heard from him before in my life. And it was crazy how it happened in that very moment. And I remember letting go of the trigger, setting the gun down, taking a deep breath, and just having this moment of clarity where I realized that I wasn't the man who he needed at that time, and I wasn't the father that he deserved at that time. But if I pulled the trigger, if I, if I went through with this, then I would kill every single possibility of ever becoming that father, never becoming that man in his life. He would never know me. He would know pictures of me. He would know stories of me, but he would never know the man that I could potentially become if I just keep going forward. And right. I, I didn't know how it was going to happen. You know, obviously, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still lost. I'm still confused. I'm still frustrated. I'm still, you know, lacking hope, all those things. But I just knew that I, that, that I had to keep going. I had to keep going forward day by day. If it, if it was a, you know, a day where it was hour by hour, then that's what it was. But I had to keep going forward. And it wasn't still for another four years before I finally came to a place in my life where, where I started to make small changes. And, you know, I, I met my wife, who's, you know, obviously girlfriend at the time when I, when I met her. And she's bringing the, this positivity to me. She, she, she's saying things to me that I haven't heard from other people um, you know, she's talking to me about about this guy, Jesus. And I'm like, no, I don't want nothing to do with him. Like, don't even talk about him. And, and I'm blowing it off, blowing it off. And in uh, 2012, she finally talks to me and is starting to go to counseling. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll see a counselor. I'll, I'll see what happens, you know. And it was it was a time where I had to decide whether this relationship with her was going to be something I valued or not, because we were getting into crazy arguments because of my behavior. I was waking up screaming in the middle of the night, terrifying her. She's jumping out of bed, you know, just afraid of what's going on. She didn't know what to, what to make of it all. And so I'm like, okay, I, I, I find value in, in this girl, in this relationship. She wants me to get help. I'll go get help. And so I went down this path of, of seeing a, a PTSD counselor at the, at the Phoenix Vet Center for a while. And about a year into that, things weren't, weren't really changing too much you know it was getting a little bit better but it was still it was still nothing positive and my counselor goes hey there's this uh veterans program that meets up in Payson Arizona up in the mountains out here in Arizona um it's this retreat program I've heard great things about it you know um are you interested and I was at at that point I'm like whatever whatever you got like I'll, I'll try anything right now and so I agree to this program I go to this program in Payson Arizona First day there, I go through this counseling session with, with, with this lady Betty up there. And by the time it's done, I'm ready to die again. I'm like, this is it. This was too intense. This brought up too much for me. I went back to, to the room that, that I was staying in. I grabbed the keys to my car and I already had a plan. Like On the way up there, I'd already picked out a spot that if, if, if all else failed during that weekend, I knew what cliff I was going to drive off of. And... I grabbed the keys, I went the head out the door, and I was like, that's it, I'm done, I'm out, nothing's gonna work. And I'm telling you, man, as soon as I went to go walk out that door, I heard a voice come over me that said, if you're gonna do this, then you need to exhaust every opportunity that's been given to you first. And I knew exactly what it was talking about. I had yet to really, truly look to God in a way that that that, that wasn't me being mad at him or me cursing him or 
um, in, in that kind of a way. And, and, and so finally, it was like that moment came over me. I had that moment where I just said, okay, this is it. I dropped down to my knees. I said, if this is my, my, my last go at trying something in my life, I said, okay, God, if you're real, if you're there, if you love me, show me something. Let me know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, come into my life, show me something. And, and I had no idea what, what, how to pray correctly, like nothing. I had no idea how to, how to call it to God. I just said what came out. And I'm telling you, man, in that moment, I felt his arms wrap around me and lift me to my feet dry my tears i smiled i felt joy i felt hope and and i knew he was real in that moment and i felt him say to me i love you you're exactly where i need you to be and everything's going to be okay and wow. that moment everything changed man. everything and i remember i called up chelsea i called her up i said you you have no idea what just happened and I'm trying to tell it to her, and, and I have no idea how to explain it correctly. And she's crying on the other end of the phone. She goes, as soon as, as you started talking, I heard something different. She goes, you just sound different. And I was like, I feel different. I don't know what's going on. And the, the rest of that weekend, everybody that saw me was like, oh, man, that counseling session must have been awesome because you just seem like a whole new person. And I'm like, you have no idea what just happened. <laughs> and and I'm trying to explain it, but I don't know how. I'm just you know fumbling over myself. And but man, from that moment, I just I just knew. I said okay. And, and I remember I remember telling God in that moment. I, I said I, uh, okay, you're real. You, I, I'm in. What do you need me to do? You know, just that Marine Corps mentality. Like okay, I'm in. What's my mission? And and he gave me he gave me two things right off the bat. Right off the bat. One, he said, marry Chelsea. Like, he just confirmed with me right there. He goes, Chelsea's your wife. That's who you need to marry. And I said, got it. No problem. As soon as I get home, I'll get a ring. I'll propose. Done. You know? And and I did. And then I, I said, okay, what next? And, and this is what I've been holding on to ever since that moment. He said, I need you to, to, to tell people that there's hope. And I need you to let them know that I love them. I need you to share your story and let them know there's hope and that I love them. And I just said, okay. Like, I have no idea what that's going to turn into. I have no idea how this is going to happen. Like back to that moment in the closet again. I don't know how I'm going to move forward. I just have to. I don't know how I'm going to share my story now, but God said to. So, okay, let it go, you know? And, right. you know, I don't know if that comes from just a, a, a grunt mentality of like, hey, go take the hill. How? I just go get it. Like, just, just rush the hill, <laughs> you know? Like, I don't always know the exact plan, but it's like, hey, this is your objective. Go get it. Okay. And, and so I, I saw it like that. I'm like, okay. And so going forward from there, man, it's just every opportunity I had. I'm like, if I can share my story with somebody, if I can get in front of people and talk, if I could get on, on social media and share it, like, however I can do this. And so that started leading me down the road of making connections with people. God just started working in my life. He put the right people in my life. And, you know, the first nonprofit I worked with was the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, they knew I was a veteran. They were like, hey, we got an event coming up. Would you share your story? Yes, absolutely. And so I, I started working with them. And then that's where I met uh, Wendy, who ran the Ripple Effect, which is who I did my, my fellowship with when I was doing the Mission Continues. And 
So, right. so I get involved with American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the ripple effect, you know, out here in Arizona. I get, you know, hooked up with the mission continues to, to, to work with, with the ripple effect and start developing programs and mentorship things and just start trying to figure out this nonprofit world and how to help veterans the best I can and how to get my story out there. And, um, you know, from there, it was like, OK, you know, I'm trying to learn this whole nonprofit thing. I started my own nonprofit, which was Operation Shockwave, ran that for a couple of years. And was just making these these deep impacts in the community within veterans, with the National Guard, other military units out here. And it was just crazy how things were moving forward. It's like every, it seemed like there just kept being an abundance of opportunities that God put in front of me to say, here's another opportunity to share your story. Somebody needs to hear your story here. And, and that's how I would approach it every time. If whether I was in front of 20 people or, or you know, there's times I've been in front of 1,500 people. I know there's one person there that needs to hear what I have to say. And there's one person that needs to know there's hope. They need to know that God loves them. And they need to know that no matter what you've gone through, what you've been through, no matter the struggles, no matter how deep you were in that darkness or how hard you hit rock bottom, there is hope and you can turn it around because I did. And and, and this is my example. This is my story. And, and it's been incredible, man. And in doing that, God ha has elevated me in my life. He has blessed me and my family incredibly um, and just continues to bring those opportunities to where now, you know, I stepped away from the nonprofit world. Um, it ended up being a place I just didn't want to engage in anymore. It, it, it was I wasn't able to to, to do, do things to the extent I wanted to. You know, anybody who, who knows much about the nonprofit world knows there's a lot of issues with that, a lot of, you know, things that you have to stay under and, and guidelines and stuff. And I was like, you know what, I just want to be able to tell my story the way I want to tell it. And so I stepped away from that and just still made myself available. You know, I, I let veterans organizations, military units, just anyone know, hey, this is my story and I would love to come share it. You know, if you think it'd be beneficial to your sp specific group of people. And I've been moving forward like that ever since, man. And it's just been a blessed journey. So, well, so you're doing it uh, basically as a, a solo guy now, just getting booked kind of like I booked you for this call yep. <laughs> you just get booked to go to say uh, Pendleton or Huachuca or whatever mm -hmm. and talk to the Marines that's pretty that's pretty good now yeah man it's a lot of freedom there's there's so much freedom in it and it's so awesome you know um, I, I'm, I'm really um, tightly connected with the National Guard out here in Arizona they, they bring there's over I think I think it's 76 National Guard units that are in Arizona alone um and Wow. And, and I'm connected with their suicide prevention and risk management um, teams and, and, and programs. And so anytime that a unit um, shows any kind of high risk behavior or anything comes up as far as substance abuse, they call me right up and they're like, hey, will you come speak to this unit? Yep, I'll be there. Just tell me when. And, and it's, it's been awesome, man. So you go to like their battle assemblies and stuff for the National Guard? Um, what, whatever they're, what, yeah, whatever they're doing, man. If it's a drill weekend that they're doing, then I'll, um, you know, they'll take an hour out of their day for me to come talk to them. Um, you know, um, one of the last times I went, they were out on a live fire range and they stopped the range <laughs> and they brought everybody in, gave me an hour to talk to them, and they went right back out to training again. You know, it was pretty cool. So. <laughs> They're probably just happy to get out of the elements for a little bit. Right, right. And that's the thing, too. And, like, you know, I've, I've been out. Oh, and I always hate saying this. How long have I been out now? Um, 15 years, you know. And, yeah. and But going back and speaking to these units and seeing these young soldiers and Marines in their element out there doing their thing, it, it just it, – it's like I never left, you know. And, and that, that camaraderie, that, that ability to, to stand in front of them and speak to them as a fellow warrior – um, it, it, it's like that, that part of me never left. It's always, it's like, God, 
like retain that part of me. Like, like he's like, you still need to speak like a Marine. You, you still need to have a presence about you to stand in front of these warriors and speak to them in a way that they're going to hear you, even though you're 15, 16 years out, you know, I like to sound, I'm, I'm domesticated now, you know, <laughs> um, but, but it's like you, you go back to, to that kind of environment and it's just, it, it's like you never left. It's beautiful. That's, that's, that's my work day every day here. I get to see <laughs> the young faces of the military and I can still see the faces I serve with in them. Right. Each soldier, each soldier kind of just repeats what the soldier did before him. Yeah. So when they come before me in class, I look out there and I see the soldiers I served with just with different uniforms now. Yep. So it's the same stuff over and over again. And I, I get pride and joy just being able to teach them something that will help them survive the modern the modern day conflict. Right. Whereas you get to teach them how to survive the conflicts within. So that's, it's too two very important things. absolutely man it, it, it's it's all a battlefield you know one's a physical battlefield and one's a battlefield in your mind you know and and, and over yeah. your body it's just it's it's two different battlefields and that's the thing that you know kind of to circle back to that that statement i was making of like you know okay the marine corps you know it's something i can do that that the world doesn't offer but i get out to the world and now i can't use any of this anymore you know i started learning how to how to use it i started learning how to take battlefield tactics and strategies that were meant for for war, for physical combat, and take those things and, and be able to adapt them and apply them into this spiritual warfare, into this warfare of my mind. And, and it, it works. It's the exact same tactics. It's the exact same things. You just go about it a different way. You have a different weapon, a different kind of enemy, but it's the same tactics and strategies. So it was like almost this whole time that I'm learning battlefield stuff and going out to war and becoming a Marine and, and, and fighting in combat was all preparing me for this other war that I was going to be facing later on in my life. It's been cool. Exactly. They, they filled your tool bag when you were, you were 17 years old when you went to the island or to Hollywood there and went to training Hollywood. and Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> you went out there and you got your training out there and they, they taught you, you know, if there's gunfire over there, you charge to it, two bags full, you take it out. And that's what you're doing with everything else you do. You said it, you said it just a little bit ago that you take that same mentality. Mm -hmm. Go over there and talk to these people. I got it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help them out. You charge with your two bags full, and you make sure that they're coming back with their two bags yeah. full. No, absolutely, man. And you know, one of the the one the things that I share a lot that that it seems it seems to really bring an impact when 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 you're able to line this up. You know, like just something as simple as calling for support, right? You know, on, on April eighth, when I when we my unit was in Baghdad, you know, I, I shared this story about how we got ambushed and you know by over 300 Fedayeen soldiers and we're just taking casualties, you know, and it was a, a an intense moment. And you know, our platoon commander goes to his training and he gets on the radio and he calls for support, you know, and ultimately gets air support that comes out, drops a couple of bombs on this compound that we're taking fire from, and we get the upper hand in the battle and and we're and and, and we end up winning that engagement, and and, and we accomplish our mission. Something that simple where it's like, yeah, that makes sense on a battlefield. Now I'm home. Now I got this enemy of depression, anxiety, guilt, shame, anger, uh, all these things coming at me. I'm sitting in a closet with the gun to my head. What do I do? Get on the phone and call for help. Call somebody, you know, and, and it's like there's so many times that that, that we as, as warriors, especially like combat vets, it's just you feel like. Um, I'm too I'm, yeah, I'm too prideful to do that, or I should be able to handle it on my own, or I'm showing weakness if I call somebody in tears saying that, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like killing myself, you know, like there's a weakness to that. Like, right. no, that's, there's not only is there a strength to it, 
that was your training. You were trained. You were told when you're overwhelmed by the enemy, get on that horn and call for help, you know? And like when uh, you came in 99, I came in six years prior, 93, mm -hmm. it was a stigma if you asked for help for situations right. like that. If you stepped up and said, something's wrong with me, infantryman, uh, you're no longer an infantryman. You're going to go be a clerk or mm -hmm. a cook or something because we don't need you out here. You're not mad enough right. for us. And that kind of stigma stayed with many until probably, I'd say probably around uh, 2007 timeframe when they finally started saying, hey, these guys are coming back with some things going on in yeah. their heads. Yeah, no, as, as soon as they started recognizing that things, you know, and, and there's still the stigma. I, I think that's always going to be. Um, you there? Yeah, I got cut off. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so I was just saying that we let this time go up. All right. Okay. So like that stigma was still there in 2007. And then they finally started saying, hey, these guys and gals have things going on. We need yeah. to start thinking about this uh, mental health thing, this mental health game, and get some social workers in the ranks. And by mm -hmm. 2010, when I went back to Afghanistan, they were right there on the fob with you. Right. You came back from patrol, they were there to talk to you and see what they can do to help you uh, de-escalate what's going on in your head before you go back out again. Yeah. Now, and that, that that's incredible. You know, and and and. and I'm so glad that that happens now, you know, like I was saying before that when I was out there, it was just one mission to the next, to the next, to the next, no time to process, no time to nothing, you know, no, you know, it's, and even when I was out there, that that's when I really started heavily drinking, man. like there was a lot of alcohol while, while I was out in Iraq and, and we would, we would drink, we'd be on patrols, you know, uh, and, and, and be hung over from the night before. And that like, right, like right then is like when it started, like, like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to deal with these thoughts. I don't want to deal with just happened. You know, um, yeah, it's just let, let's just drink and then go about and then go back to work tomorrow. You know, let, let's get it back up in the morning and get back out there. And, right. And, and, you know, so, man, it's just them taking it like the military taking it more seriously is huge. You know, and, and from what I and they are taking it more seriously now than they were in the past. But from what I understand, it's still an issue. You know, there's still that, that stereotype or that, that stigma out there of like, you know, don't ask for help or else you're going to lose your clearance. You're going to lose your job. You're going to, you know, you're going to get discharged. Um, you know, but when it comes down to it, man, what I always tell, tell guys is like, would you rather end up in the closet with the gun to your head and pulling the trigger? Or would you rather get discharged and then, you know, figure out how to live a purposeful life? You know, right. Um, it, it's it's it, it, it's so important to be able to address those things and to be able to, you know, put them out there in the on the forefront. When I started talking about it, finally, um, you know, I I did it through writing. You know, and, and I I wrote. I started writing poetry. I started writing stories. Just whatever I could do to write to get it out of my head and onto paper. However, that came out is how it came out. And when I started doing that, I started sharing that with some of the guys I was in Iraq with. At the time, we had just started this uh, Facebook group, you know, just trying to bring us all back together um, and reunite on Facebook. And I started sharing it with them. And the craziest thing, I thought I thought some of the guys were going to, you know, you know, tease me about it or, or just, you know, joke around about it. But every one of them that, that, that engaged and, and responded to it were like, you know what, man, I remember that, too. I think about that, too. I wake up, you know, having nightmares, too. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. I thought I was the only one dealing with this. And 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 before I knew it, you know, guys were, were opening up and talking about their struggles. And, and it, it became something incredible, you know, to where when we knew somebody was struggling, 
we knew who to reach out to and be like, hey, you know, someone needs to call so-and-so or this guy's struggling, reach out to him. Are you in his neck of the woods? Go go to him. Um, you know, and we just started helping each other out and, and, and it was awesome. Right. It comes out back to the thing that they need to learn that they do need support and they are not alone. Yeah. That's that's a big thing. You are not alone. Right. There's a whole big world out here of people that can that can help you. There's phone numbers that you can call. Your best friends are out there just waiting to answer that call. They don't want to have to go to another call from you. <laughs> they want the call that says, "Hey, I'm going to be on the phone with you all night talking to get you off that ledge or yep. or get you out of that mindset and back in back on the right path until I can get to you." Yeah. Depending on how far apart we are. Yep. Absolutely, man. You know, and um, one of the most common responses I get when I talk about, you know, um, you know, when you're overwhelmed by, by the enemy here at home, you know, get on that phone and call for help. And uh, one of the most overwhelming responses I get from people who are still dealing with that negative mindset is, you know, I got nobody to call. There's nobody who would answer the phone. And, right. and, and one of the things I tell them is, one, you'd be surprised. You know, you really would be surprised who will answer that phone and help you out. But two, if you really feel like that there's nobody in your life that you could trust with that phone call, then find new people in your life. Go seek out different people. Go get involved somewhere. You know, I tell every veteran, like, if you're not involved in your local community veterans organizations, then you need to be. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where, like, you, like, I would never, we would never go out on a patrol in Iraq if we didn't know the units in the area that we could call on for help. If there wasn't a quick reaction force somewhere that, that we could reach out to, if there wasn't mortar somewhere that we could call for fire to, we, you don't go out on the patrol without a plan of knowing this is who we have to call for support. And I don't want to go a day in my life without knowing that I have at least two to three people in my phone that I can call for help if something ends up happening and overwhelming me for this day. And if you don't have those two or three people, then go find them. They're out there. You just have to find them. Right. And, and they're there. You just don't know they're there most of the mm-hmm. times. There's some, like I said, there's someone always sitting there waiting to, to be that, that shoulder right. or that, that head that's going to be with your, your head as you go through that little, that little hiccup. Mm-hmm. And it's, these problems are temporary. They don't need to be permanent solutions to these temporary problems. Absolutely. So we need to wrangle up our buddies, our battle buddies and keep them moving forward. And so we can all cross the rainbow bridge together mm-hmm. when we're old and, Right, <laughs> that long, long, long life, man. You know, and that—that's yeah. That's one of the things so that that I, I had to switch my mindset on. You know, there was there was guy, you know, guys that 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 we lost over there. There was and and even you know the suicide later, and, and you do tend to get into this depression of like, man, like you know, why wasn't it me that died? Like it, it should have been me. He had a family at, at the time. I didn't. You know, um, we go into this depression and. You know, of course, every year on a death anniversary, I, I always see, you know, Marines out there and, 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 and other, you know, veterans who are taking shots for who they lost, you know, on, on that particular day. And they're getting drunk in a bar somewhere for somebody. And I've told people, when I when I die, don't you dare dishonor me by getting drunk in a bar for me. Like, no, go live your life for me. Go live a, a successful purposeful life in honor of me you know and that's how i want to see it like everyone who who i carried this burden of you know uh, you know of, of their death it's like why am i going to live this life of, of alcohol and depression and suicidal behavior when i made it home like they didn't so let me go live a, a double life for them let, let me go you know hug my kids tighter love my family more be more successful than i ever thought i could be because I want to do it in honor of them and, and live a successful, joyous life. 
and and do it in honor of them not not go down this dark hole of depression um and, and you know oh i'm so sad that so and so yes I mean, we're sad we mourn their loss you know but let's live a purposeful life for them you know right that's definitely right definitely yeah. true so if you had to do anything over again, would you join the Marines again? Would you change anything that went on in your life to get to you where not you are now? Not a thing, brother. Not a thing. Um, I, my life, and, and you know, it's it. There's probably a few years ago where I finally came to terms with that, where I'm like, you know what, where I'm at right now is because of what I went through, and you know, every every suicidal thought, every depression, every, every down part of my life. You know, I lost custody of my kids for a while. I had to do a, a go through two years of court battles just to get, you know, basic parenting um, rights and visitation back with them. And, you know, went through so many struggles, so many, um, you know, and, and I wouldn't change a thing of it because right now where I'm at in my life is a beautiful place. My family's blessed and, and healthy. Uh, my marriage is incredible. I love my wife like crazy. Me and my children have a great relationship. And now I can show that what that, you know, I've been there, done there, got the T-shirt like I've gone through the struggle. And, and now here I am and I'm nobody special. I'm just another grunt, you know. And so if I can get here in my life, then what you're going through, you can get through that, too. You know, and one of the things I tell people so much, and I'll sit down with the veterans going through some things and, and, and undoubtedly, you know, a lot of times they're like, man, I just wish I could live the life that you're living right now. I wish I could be where you're at. And I always end up responding to them and I say, if you want to live the life where I'm at, then you have to go through the life that I went through. You have to go through this process. There are things that you're going to have to do and press into day after day after day. And knowing that there is hope, knowing that there is greatness on the other end of it, but you're going to have to press into it, you know? So no, man, I wouldn't change a thing. Definitely. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> awesome. And how do it, uh, if a unit's listening on here, National Guard, any active duty, whatever is listening, how would they get in touch with you to reach out? Yeah, to the you? easiest way um, through social media, if you search just um, um, AJ Impacts, um, like, like, like I-M-P-A-C-T, AJ Impacts on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can go to AJImpacts.com. Um, I got a website up that has different video clips. I'm, I'm on YouTube. You can find different clips of my speeches and, and different engagements that I've had and, um, you know, my story. Um, so, yeah, if you just search that on, on the computer, you will have no problem finding me and getting in touch with me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andrew, it's been great catching up with you. We can do this again. I mean, that was a quick 30 <laughs> minutes. And that's just half the right. story right, right there. There's plenty more to talk about, man. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you reaching yeah. out. I'm glad that I was on your heart to reach out to you for this, man, and just giving me an opportunity to, to once again share my story on, on a different platform. And I appreciate you, man. And just and I'm, I appreciate everything you did while I was with the mission continues. You, you guided me. You helped me. You were wonderful there. And I know you're continuing to do great things, man. So thank you so much. Uh, no problem. I appreciate everything you're doing and will continue to do, and I look forward to seeing yeah, that. Amen. Future. Right on, brother. Have a good one. You too. Take a hello to family. Right I got you. All right. All right, brother. Bye. Wow. That was a deep talk with Andrew. He's a very humble dude. He's been through a lot, but he's also going to be there for you if you need him. Do not hesitate to link up with him, even if it's just a chat. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on The Misfit Nation.
be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. We appreciate you. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling, because we are the Misfit Nation.